Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, brother, it's good to have you uh, with us again. And um, I always look forward to, to these episodes. And we've got a really interesting episode today. I think one that probably the topic flies under the radar a lot today. Yeah, it has to do with our speech. Um, I had received a specific question about gossip and how do we differentiate that uh, from discernment and contending for the truth, which I think are good questions because we we want we're called to discern, we're called to contend for the truth, we're called to expose um, evil where we see it, and at the same time we also want to guard against uh, gossip. Um, so I think uh, this episode, as we talk about gossip and and really what constitutes uh, godly speech, um, this is. A topic that I think we probably don't give enough thought to and, and something that as we're on social media, we should give continual thought to uh, in terms of what we say and how we respond to people. Yeah, I would argue if um, if you're any regular user of social media, chances are uh, we've fallen into the sin of gossip. Um, and, and I think it's so it's good to be aware of, good to be conscious of. Um, and we may have done it not even realizing it, right? Yeah. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that today. But, you know, a, a good place to start and the place we ought to start is maybe to define some terms. So if someone comes to you, Eki, and asks, what is gossip? What do you say to them? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. There are two terms um, that I think we want to consider. One is gossip. The other one is slander. And um, often gossip is, is used to be synonymous with slander. But I think gossip is more broad. So, so gossip is really um, spreading information about someone else behind their back, so to speak, and and it's uh, and it's typically information that is unflattering, uh, meant to kind of uh, demean that person or to uh, or to, um, to to spread um, the information to to others that was meant to be private. Um, so, so there's a broad definition. It's it's any information that was intended to be private, but also anything that I believe is not edifying towards that person, and it. Also includes slander, which is false information, which is often what what gossip is about. Would you add to that? No, I think that's a great definition. I I think the key components is it's something that's said behind the person's back. It comes out of a a wrong heart, a wrong motivation, um, yes. and and it's often and typically you know involves details or information that's not confirmed to be true. Um, and so I think you hit on all of those things. Yeah. And actually you just, you just added something very important. It, it, it the, the heart and the motivation behind it. So for instance, if, um, if we're praising someone, you can praise someone behind their back. There's no sin in that, that, you know, that's a good thing, especially, well, if you are praising someone for, for something that is true, um, that, that, that's a good thing. Um, no one's going to complain about that. It's typically, um, spreading information, that uh, it causes people's opinion of that person to, to, to go down, and your motivation behind it is, is one that is not godly behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, as we go on, we'll kind of talk about the difference between exposing you know, things like false teachings and false teachers uh, versus yeah. gossip and, and, and slander. You can slander someone to their face, but you can't gossip to their face. Gossip is done behind yes, the back. Yes, that's right? true. Yes. Um, and, and so, both of those things we need to guard against. And social media is rife uh, with both of those things, right? And, yes. um, and I think, it, you know, the term keyboard, keyboard warrior comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, we get behind a keyboard and oftentimes we lose all sense of holiness, it seems, uh, for some yeah. people. Things that we would never say to someone's face, uh, we would dare say things that we would Never say in a Sunday service, for instance, while speaking yeah. to someone we're happy to say on social media. And so we've really just really, really have to be on guard against uh, these things. And I think we should say at the beginning, um, it, it, you know, in our sinful human nature, one of the reasons I think this is such a big struggle is because gossip feels good. It yeah. appeals to our sinful nature. And, and I don't think we can ignore that you know, it plays to our ego. It's the sort of thing that kind of says, "Well, I'm I'm in the know, right? I know something you don't know, and if yeah. I share it, I'll be seen uh, to be knowledgeable or seen to be, you know, kind of in the know behind the scenes." And so, I I think one of the the challenges is that it it builds one's ego, obviously in a sinful way, 
Um, but we all want to be liked. We all want to be uh, seen as uh, being knowledgeable and and that sort of thing. But that's one of the dangers, I think, in the pitfalls of gossip. It plays to our sinfulness. Yeah, it, it feeds our pride. Um, it it kind of uh, creates an exclusive club uh, of you and whoever you're sharing the information of and uh, really mocks uh, someone else, um, their shortcomings or, or whatever it is uh, that that they're doing. Um, yeah, so we, we want to be careful of that motivation because if our motivation is simply to feel good at someone else's expense, well, that's ungodly. Um, and at the same time, there are times where um, actions or words need to be revealed. Um, if, uh, if someone has, you know, for instance, and, and we know this even in a legal sense, even in a counseling sense, if we know that someone has, uh, has intentions to harm someone else, well, we need to reveal that. Uh, we need to go to legal authorities and, uh, and make sure that those things, those things are known. So th- this requires really some thought and, and really what um, maybe a good starting point is to ask yourself, what is your motivation for sharing that, uh, that information? And, and we, we often, when we share information about other people, we forget that we're talking about real people who are created in the image of God. Yeah. And, and this is even more heinous within the church. So, I mean, if we start gossiping about others within the church, well, you're gossiping about people who have put their faith into Christ. You're gossiping about fellow family members. You're, you're gossiping about people whom God has redeemed and adopted into his family. And uh, so, certainly, I would say gossip in any sense is uh, unwholesome, it's unfruitful, but especially for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ within the church. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that reminds me as we're talking about gossip and we're realizing that, you know, some sins are very easy to identify outwardly, right? Uh, if, if, if you lie, you get caught in a lie, that's, that's easy, right? Um, if you, you know, I mean, there's just, if you murder, if you steal, if you do all those things, some are a little more difficult uh, because they require uh, the acknowledgement of motivation, as we've been saying, right? Yeah. And, and gossip is certainly one of those things. Now, you can certainly tell if someone's gossiping about people because, you know, you can yeah. generally there's indications. But if you're listening and you think, well, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm not doing this. What are some ways that I can test my motivation Um you know, before I say something. Well, you brought up um, letting not nothing that's unwholesome come out of your mouth, which instantly reminds us of Ephesians 4.29, right? Yep. And, and let me just read that because this is, I think, a very good filter for those who want to be holy, who don't want to fall into the trap of gossip. Um, it, you know, ask yourself this. So, let me just read uh, Ephesians 4.29 through 32. It says this, it says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. That is a good litmus test, I think. Yeah, those are great verses. And, and by the way, when I was up in Alaska visiting with you, I saw your desk. And that Ephesians 4.29, if I'm not mistaken, you have that right on your desk. You have yeah. that printed out right on your desk as, as an everyday reminder. And uh, Ephesians 4, uh, Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians, obviously written to the saints at Ephesus. These are believers. Um, but I, I love that. The let no unwholesome word, that the word for unwholesome is, is the same word used for rotting. It's rotting, decaying. Um, it's um, of no benefit or value. And, and this is something within the church can really tear apart a church, can create cliques, can create divisions. Um, it, it can really breed more slander or more gossip because once one person does it, other people are encouraged to do it as well. Um, so this is, I agree, this is a great litmus test. And I'm glad you read all four of those verses um, because when you go to verse 30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, it actually starts off with the word and. So, in other words, it very clearly connects verse 30 with verse 29. Now, why the NASB leaves that out, I have no idea. So, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve this Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. So, in other words, if you want to 
uh, avoid grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Do not speak unwholesome words, and especially about those with, within the household of God. Instead, seek to speak what is good for edification, and that word edification is building up. And by the way, earlier in the chapter, that's exactly why pastors and teachers are given to the church. It's for the equipping of the saints, um, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. And even 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, which talks about uh, spiritual gifts, and, and we'll probably do a future series on that. But in chapter 14, you see the word edification show up over and over again. It literally means building up. It's an architectural term. So you want to speak that which helps build up the body of Christ. And it says here in verse 29, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Um, grace, obviously, unmerited favor, something good given to us by God. And we want to be uh, we want to be people who um, dispense that grace as well as as uh, as as the representatives of, of God as children of God showing that to other people. But verses thirty one and thirty two that really gets into a lot of characteristics that I think describes that unwholesome speech. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. I mean, all these things you would find in a heart that is gossiping. Uh, I, I mean, I think if you look at the gossiping heart, it, you know, I would say that the heart that gossips is a heart that's pursuing the pleasure of the world rather than pleasure in Christ. Um, and, and you find all of these things in the motivation to gossip. You, you, you find typically, you know, there, there's anger towards the person. I mean, why else would you gossip about them? Um, slander. It, you know, the, it, those are different things, but if someone's willing to gossip uh, and harm someone's reputation or spread untrue um, or things that just aren't known to be true yeah, behind someone's right. back, then they're certainly willing to slander the person. Um, and, and so, absolutely, and I think you made a really good point. These are things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, and for believers, that ought to make us all the more cautious. Uh, before we get on Twitter and tweet out that thing we know about someone or, you know, whatever the case is, talk behind people's back in the church after Sunday service or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, if we look at e these um, one by one, uh, uh, bitterness, uh, what, what is bitterness? B bitterness is is really an unwholesome attitude towards uh, someone else. It's holding on to some sort of grudge. Um, a desire to um, to inflict some kind of harm, not necessarily physical harm, but uh, but a desire for that person to to be hurt in in some ways. It's, so it's an ungodly attitude uh, towards someone else. And then the, the the wrath and anger. This one is interesting because he says, "Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you." And yet, that only comes a few verses after verse twenty six, which says, "Be angry and yet do not sin." And verse twenty six, I, I would I would argue is is a righteous anger. Um, but here, when we see anger um, used in the way that's used in verse thirty one, it's an unrighteous anger, right? I mean, the the anger that um, that the wrath and anger that we wish to inflict upon others for maybe wronging us or doing something that um, we didn't like. Uh, clamor and slander. We know about slander. Um, that's spreading lies. And, you know, sometimes we can even spread the truth, but without context, which I think has the same uh, same effect as, as basically slander. We may have a piece of truthful information, but without the context, it can be presented in a very negative light. And we see this in the media all the time. If you watch the media and you see press conferences from certain individuals whom the media is trying to slander, they'll take a little soundbite and, uh, and they'll then portray it in a light in which it was not intended to be, um, to, to be portrayed in when it was originally given. And it reminds me of when John MacArthur, he gives um, interviews to the media, his one requirement is that it has to be live. Um, because if it's not live, he already knows what they're going to do. They're going to edit and slice it and, and portray it in, in the least uh, favorable way possible. Um, so all of, these, all of these really contribute to what we call unwholesome speech. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and something else I would add is that it, it could be even something that you think is true, but it's not been proven to be true. You're making yeah. an assumption about that. Right. Right. Which instantly r reminds me of Proverbs uh, says, if anyone gives an answer before he hears, it's folly, you know, and shame. And then the one who states his case first seems right until another comes and examines him. Right? Yeah, right. Proverbs uh, eighteen seventeen on that second one. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so we can gossip, 
Um, just because we assume something is true and, and in the end it's not, and we see a lot of that. Right. Yeah, and right. I think we, I mean, even Christians fall into that trap um, in all kinds of areas. We both seen those kinds of things. And, you know, I, oftentimes we just have to say, you know what? I wasn't there. I didn't hear the conversation. Um, right. There's not enough evidence to prove one way or another. And so I'm just going to have to reserve my opinion and keep it to myself. Um, I don't think we do that well. Social media doesn't lend itself uh, to yeah. discipline in that area. Um but we can very easily find ourselves gossiping and or slandering others, um, you know, and, and not necessarily realizing it just because we weren't careful. Right. And, and gossip can quickly turn to slander when you misread a person's motives. And, and this is very common as well. Um, a lot of uh, progressives who attack you and me will often presume upon our motives. And it's usually something having to do with power or wanting to maintain authority or, or something like that. And when you read into the motives of the people that you're attacking, you end up slandering them because you don't know that those motives are true. Only God can see the heart. Only God can reveal the motives. Now, sometimes someone will say something and they'll tell you what their motives are. In that right. case, um, you know, then you know the motives that you have it right from right from their own their own speech. Um, and, and there are times where people will make a, a statement, and, and there's just no justification for the statement itself. You know, again, all this requires discernment. Um, but you want to be, as James says, you, you want to be quick to listen, quick to hear, slow to speak. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, you know, there may be people out there that think, well, is, this, is gossip really that bad? Yeah, you know, I, I know I, I know it's bad, but it's not like you're murdering anyone. It's not like you're, well, I don't think anyone could say it's, it doesn't destroy people because gossip has most certainly destroyed people's lives. And we've seen that over the last couple of years in, a, in an incredible way. Um, but it, is it really that bad? So I, I want to just rattle off a, a, a bunch of scriptures real, real quick. And you can stop me at any point if you want to kind of dig into any of these. Obviously, I'm going to start with Proverbs. Uh, yeah. Proverbs just – and these are just – this even just scratches the surface of what the Bible has to say um, and deal with the issue of gossip. I mean, there are tons and tons and tons, uh, either directly or indirectly, where Scripture speaks to this issue. So uh, I'll just hit a few of them. Proverbs 10, 19, uh, when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Um, and, and so we see, you know, that in an abundance of talk, um, sins of unavoidable and it attributes wisdom to those who restrain their lips and we could rightly apply that to gossip proverbs eleven thirteen: he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter yeah right yeah uh proverbs sixteen twenty eight: a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends uh, Proverbs seventeen nine: He who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Uh, eighteen six and seven: To show partiality to the wicked is not good, nor to thrust aside the righteous in judgment. A fool's lips bring strife, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Uh, Proverbs twenty nineteen: He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secret. Therefore, do not associate with the gossip. Uh, twenty two eleven: He who he who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious, the king is his friend. So we've got some on the negative and some on the positive. Proverbs 26, 20, uh, 20 and 21. For lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisper, contention quiets down like charcoal mm. to hot embers and wood to fire so is the contentious man to kindle strife so he does that with his mouth right proverbs thirty four thirteen: keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit One forty one three: set a guard O lord that was psalms right psalm 34 13 now psalm 141 3 set a guard O lord over my mouth keep watch over the door of my lips. I mean, it's just a handful of passages, yeah. mostly from Proverbs. Yeah, and that last one reminds me of James saying that the t tongue is basically um, an instrument of fire, right? A, mm -hmm. a tongue sets uh, all kinds of destruction. But I, I, what I've noticed as you're reading so many of those verses from Proverbs, 
is how much it's talking about things that really should be concealed. Um, so there are things that are told in private. There are things that are told personally. And it's not that um, those, those words by themselves are, are, are false and that's why you shouldn't say them, but, but rather you're trying to protect that person's privacy because those words, there are a lot of information, personal information, that when it gets out can easily be misconstrued can be easily misrepresented and can be easily used to paint someone in a way that shouldn't happen. And so to, to give an example, you know, we, as humans, we know that we are all sinners. In fact, we just saw this come up on, on Twitter today where someone made the statement that even if you, if you sin, you can lose your salvation. I saw you make the comment that, look, all Christians sin. Um, that's because we're, we're still human. We're still men. Um, and, to, and then we, we sin and we repent of those sins. What we want to guard against is unrepentant sin. Um, right. But oftentimes, a person will stumble and commit a sin, and that sin will be revealed, and suddenly that person is being, um, being unjustly called uh, whatever it is that's associated to that sin. Right? So if someone like, let's say, an, wholesome, uh, an unwholesome word comes out of that person's mouth, uh, maybe in the heat of the moment, they said something that they didn't mean to say. Well, you know, that person could now be just be called a, a slanderer and, and this and that when that person said it once, repented of it, uh, may have sought for forgiveness, and the matter should have been closed. And that's the other thing, too, when, when sins have been repented of, and especially when people come and they ask forgiveness or we seek forgiveness from others, you know, the, ones who, the one who is providing forgiveness, and in particular, those who are in God, we are called to let love cover that, right? We, once, once it's been confessed, we cover it up as, it, as if it never happened. And this is especially true in, um, in the home, husbands and wives uh, between one another. You know, a lot of times husbands and wives, when they get into disputes, they have a way of bringing up the past things that, mm-hmm. that they supposedly forgave each other of, but, you know, they bring it up as if it was never forgiven. So, th- those are um, all things that we need to keep in mind. But I, I do appreciate that emphasis in Proverbs about things that are meant to be kept in secret. So, exercise some discernment. And, and one of the tests I've heard said to me from a long time ago was, if it's not something you're willing to say some, to someone directly, um, then don't say it behind their back. And on the, in the same token, if it's something that's said to you and it's intended to be private, don't go and share that, right? Yeah, and if you're willing to say it, filter it through Ephesians 4.29, Right. Um, And so there there are obviously a lot of dynamics, but what I what's interesting also about all those proverbs, it 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 very clearly associates not just the fact that words, the words we speak, but how we use them with with either righteousness or sin. Right. Um, and, And then a couple of those were obviously very plain. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Well, that's gossip. And in case you didn't get that, the the rest of it says, therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Right. Right. Um, And and so we see all these things and the imagery uh, there about um, coals and and embers, you know, and wood to fire uh, just really brings about, I think, the reality of the, the destruction and possible devastation of gossip, right? Um, and, and if we're seeking holiness and we're seeking the character of Christ, and I know uh, when we talked about covering sin, right, one yeah. another before, you know, we were accused of, you know, what, covering up sin and not exposing and all that kind of thing. And I think we said something to the fact of you cover every sin you're willing to cover for, with, for sure, yeah. right? We're not talking about breaking the law or any of that. Um, but, uh, you, you know, if I'm in a heated theological debate with a brother and, you know, he reaches out and slaps me or something or spits on me or whatever. Um, and I know him to be a, a, a brother in Christ and I'm willing to cover that, then I should, yeah. right? Um, I don't have to choose to call the cops and file a charge against him. Um, and, and in fact, I probably wouldn't, uh, right? I, and, and so we're not saying that you have to do those things, but any sin that you're willing to cover for the sake of the witness of the gospel, especially when it's a true brother, especially when there's repentance, we ought to do those things. Um, now, just exactly. to make clear, some things we have to report to the law, okay? So, right. lest anyone try to take this out of context, um, we report everything that we are mandated to report. But other than that, it is the character of Christ to conceal repentant sin. 
Uh, and we know that because you and I are here um, talking on this podcast and everyone listening are repentant sinners whose sin has been paid for and yeah. covered by yes. Christ. And so it is, in fact, the most Christ-like when we cover all of those things that we can cover. Um, and that should be our heart, right? I mean, our heart should even break when we have to you know, go beyond that and report things for repentant sinners. We're not talking about, uh, well, what we're not saying is that there aren't consequences, right? Right, to sin. exactly. Yeah. So, for instance, um, you know, a, a brother may have um, anger issues and be disqualified from the pulpit. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't, and, and let's say he's repentant and he submits to church discipline. Yeah. Um, then we cover that and, and we do that in lots of ways, but that doesn't mean he'll ever get that pulpit back, for instance. Right. 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 Um, and, and so we have to use wisdom uh, in all those things. I, yeah, I wanna, and within. Within the church, and someone may come to the church, and, and maybe they have um, have a history of sexual abuse. Um, they may be they, they may be in some sort of database, uh, sexual predators database, and stuff like that. Um, can such a person find forgiveness in God? Absolutely, one hundred percent, without question. Um, can they be a healthy part of a church? Absolutely, without question. But as a leader and a pastor, I am going to prevent that person from certain kinds of ministries yeah. where such temptations could arise again. All right. So um, if if someone has um, engaged in improper conduct with youth, they're not going to be in youth ministry, right? Yeah. Uh, so so there there's discernment and and uh, and care that needs to be taken. And this is not to punish the individual, but to rather both protect that individual from entering into a situation where they do the same thing, but also to protect the others on the other side from even being exposed to that possibility. Yeah. So there, there is, you're absolutely right. We forgive. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences. Obviously, we can think about David. His uh, sin of, yeah, Moses. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, Moses committed one sin when he struck the rock and and uh, and and basically um, treated God's name as unholy, and that one sin kept him from entering the promised land. David, his uh, sin of adultery and and murder of Uriah. Well, even though he was forgiven by God after he was confronted by Nathan and uh, he repented of those things, the consequence lived on, and uh, God told him, though though you've been forgiven, the the sword will not depart from your household now, and so. From the time that, uh, from that time to the time he he lived, he he lived with strife within his household. That was an ongoing consequence, even though he had been forgiven. Yeah, absolutely. Well, brother, let's read a few other passages. As it, again, you know, just to make a strong case that it's not gossip is not a light thing, right? It's a, it's a very heavy thing. You go to the Old Testament again, Leviticus. You're talking about the sundry laws. Nineteen sixteen says. I mean, this is God speaking, right? You shall not go about as a slanderer among your people. It's pretty yeah. clear. And you are not to act against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Now, that's very interesting. The emphasis on it basically being an attack against God. He's given the command yeah. and he puts the full waste, the full weight of his command at the end when he says, I am the Lord. Um, and, and so that's a very strong added emphasis there. Exodus 23, 1, you shall not bear a false report. Do not join your hand with yeah. the wicked man to be a malicious witness. And man, we see that a lot today, I think, on social media. Yeah. Uh, we share around slanderous articles, um, you know, half truths, you know, videos with, you know, portions uh, taking out taken out to make it appear as though it was something different than it really was. That's joining uh, our hand with the wicked man when we do those things. Um, you go to the New Testament, and again, it, you have lots of verses, right? 2 Corinthians 12, 20. Uh, here's the Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. He says, for I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to not be what I wish and may be found by you to be not what you wish, that perhaps there will be strife jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossips, arrogance, disturbances. And he goes on to mention all of these things that are destructive that he's afraid he may find in the church. And of course, we see slander and gossip there. So these yeah. are very weighty things, right? Yeah, slander is essentially bearing false witness. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Um, it's uh, saying something that's untrue, or it's saying something that um, even you think might be true, but you haven't verified it. Right, and it turns out to be to be untrue, 
And uh, th this happens um, often, unfortunately, often within the church. And even there are several verses in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and, and several of them applying to women, um, not to be gossips and busybodies, but rather to be, to be faithful. Um, gossip divides, right? And, uh, and we want to be careful about bringing unnecessary division within the body. Now, we have talked about this before. Unity at all costs is not what we're, what we're saying, because unity has to be based upon the truth. Don't unite just for the sake of unity. The folks uh, who created the Tower of Babel were united, but they're united against the will of God. So, what we want to make sure that we're doing is that we're uniting upon truth. And so, if the truth ends up dividing, well, that's the right kind of division. But what you don't want to do is to divide based upon something that is untrue or based upon your own motives to try to, um, I guess, make people's opinion of, of another to, to be unfavorable. And, and a, lot of the, a lot of times this comes from rivalries. Uh, we, we, we have this in our human heart, a sinful heart, we have this um, way of, of establishing some, some, someone as our rival and wanting to be seen as better than that person. Um, this is, can be especially true with pastors, especially true with pastors. We have to fight this resistance of trying to compare ourselves with someone, another pastor, maybe someone who's in the public eye, maybe someone who's just in our city, maybe someone who's down the street. We have to guard against that as well. Because um, we, when we start to set up rivals in our heart, then we are tempted to bring about gossip to make ourselves look better than that person. So the it, it comes back again to motivation. Don't divide based upon your own selfish motives. Don't divide based upon half-truths, uh, based upon lies, slander, false witness, all those things. But if a truth needs to be revealed, um, then, then that's our command to unveil that. I mean, Ephesians goes on to talk about that we are to walk in light and that children of light actually go to reveal evil that's, that's being done. And so that gets into the discernment aspect. And uh, when, we, when we address false teachers and on Twitter, when we see someone who tweets something or says something that we know is heretical or false, um, we shouldn't be bashful about pointing it out and, and, uh, and, and showing what the actual truth is. Yeah, and you know, I think the the godly heart is one that desires and looks for every opportunity, every opportunity to give grace, right? Um, and and we don't do that well as as humans naturally. That's not our our sinful disposition. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to do that when we find people who we feel like are opponents to our position. Um, but that is the the godly response. Right. Um, and, and again, it doesn't mean we don't call out false teachers or we call them out plainly. Um, I, I mean, I don't even have a problem mocking false teachers. There's an appropriate right. time for that. We do see that in scripture as well. Um, I think we can take that too far even. Um, yeah. But right. uh, but a right heart would desire to grant grace as much as we can. And so, you know, when we just because someone has a different theological view or doctrinal view than we do doesn't mean they're our opponent. Um, right. you know, you, not all your, not all of your doctrine is correct. Not all of my doctrine is correct. Yep. Now that doesn't mean we know where we're wrong. Um, you know, if we did, you yep. know, I'd like to think we would try to correct it. Um, but, uh, but we're not all right in our, in our doctrine. And, and I think we probably the area we give each other the most grace is in, you know, the eschatological views. That's great. Yeah. But I think we probably need to extend that to other areas as well when we're not talking about heresies right when we're just talking about right. differences of opinions when the texts maybe aren't necessarily clear not just esch eschatology but i mean even you know you bring up the whole can can women be deacons issue um, right. if you're not familiar with that topic you can listen to our previous episode on that um, but but things like that where there are some variances or differences in the text that may lead one to another conclusion that doesn't make someone our enemy um, you know even some issues of church polity um, you know we don't do the voting thing in my church so I guess I'm a bad Baptist because Baptists right. vote mm -hmm. um, but uh, so whether you <laughs> whether you do that or whether you don't that that is not that doesn't make an enemy out of someone uh, and it and it certainly wouldn't justify any kind of gossip or slander you know James gives a very uh, a very strong warning um, in James one twenty six uh, over this particular issue of gossip. He says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, all right, and he's using that in a positive way, 
and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. Um, so again, a reference to the use yeah. of the tongue, how we use that. That that's that should be that should wake us up, right? I mean, that's a that's a hard warning. The man who doesn't bridle his tongue and deceives his own heart has a worthless religion. Yeah, that's w- one of the marks of um, mature Christianity is is the speech. I mean, that's the bottom line. I we just had a missionary um, come to the church um, who, who our church has been supporting for forty six years, and when he went up to preach, he made a point about those who call themselves Christians but use profanities, and he made the point that you know what when you use profanities, you you actually discredit your what what you put your faith into, and he's absolutely right. And uh, so, th- the more we mature. Um, the more our season should be, uh, the more our, our speech should be seasoned with with grace and and uh, and truth. Um, so we we have to take those things into account um, all the time. You, you were um, you were talking about uh, the within the, the the church and and how we are to be. Um, well, I'm, I'm looking at Ephesians uh, four twenty nine. We're to be tender hearted, forgiving each other, um, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Be kind to one another. Um, once again, it goes back to the motives. We we want to have the right kinds of motives towards each other. We want to edify one another. We want to be uh, we want to be seasoned with with grace and, and and truth. But this also ties back to our theology, does it not? Um, understanding uh, our understanding of scripture as a whole, because when we start to make these decisions, as you were talking about the uh, the, the various doctrinal differences that we have between each other, um, it, it takes discernment to be able to distinguish between what is primary, secondary, and what I will call tertiary. Now, those words don't show up as it relates to doctrines in the scriptures, but I believe they're described. So, when Paul talks about if anyone gives you a gospel gospel contrary to what I have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Uh, That that right there is a prime example of primary doctrine. You know, and then secondary uh, doctrines would be things like um, uh, female teachers, right? I mean, Paul makes it very explicitly clear, I do not permit a woman to exercise authority or, or to teach. And then there are tertiary matters where, for instance, in Romans chapter 14, he talks about the issues of the conscience. Uh, one believer regards one day, another believer regards another day. Um, there may be foods that one person uh, feels the freedom to eat and another person feels that they shouldn't be eating, you know, but we are we are to love one another and then not to make those convictions um, binding upon the conscience of, of the other person. So, it does take a lot of discernment to, to be able to think through and terms of what are these issues that we're dividing over. You're right, we don't all agree on everything, but I think amongst the brothers that I trust the most, even though we have a lot of differences, especially as it comes to eschatology as an example, um, I also know that the brothers that I trust the most are the ones that regard Scripture as inerrant, sufficient, and authoritative, who have a very clear view of the gospel, who have a very clear view of Jesus Christ and His Lordship over us. So, th- those are things that uh, a good theology will produce not only the right kind of knowledge, but also the right kind of um, uh, understanding and discernment over what's important and what's secondary and what's uh, really a matter of conscience. Yeah, and you know, I think we're going to have a podcast coming up about you know, what's uh, primary and what's secondary and what's tertiary. Yes, that's right. But because some can bleed into others, um, and, and yes. it's not to say that they don't matter. You know, for instance, if you have a female preacher, you don't have a preacher and you don't have a church. So, yeah. that that becomes a major issue. Um, yes. But how to discern which and which, we'll, we'll talk more about those on, on a podcast. Do you make a good point um, to, to go back to the fact that we, you know, we all have, um, you know, we've all been wrong and, and we all sin. It just, it reminds me of Paul. He says, or do you, he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by our spirit of our God. And I, this is, you know, th- this is why, and, and you've quoted this without mentioning the verse, I think, Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Well, we grant grace because 
we were sinners, right? We deserved hell. We still sin, right? And and we would want, um, you know, the forgiveness and grace from others, and we ought to give that as well. But but you know, whether we get it or not, uh, it's clear that that's something that we ought to do for others. Um, and admittedly, I, again, I think we all fall in the trap of going beyond what we ought to. Um, but I think the more we can train ourselves, you know, with Ephesians 4.29, and, and yeah, there's a reason I have that uh, on, you know, right above uh, my computer to remind me every day, um, because it is so, so easy to forget that. It, it's yeah. so easy to look at a tweet and think, oh, well, that guy's an idiot and just fire off some, you know, a uh, tweet that, you know, if you take a step back and you look at it, um, you don't have to respond anyway. I, I mean, he might be an idiot, but I don't need to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you know, it might be a terrible tweet. That doesn't mean I need to respond. Um, and I think Twitter would be a lot quieter of a place if we really took into account Colossians 4, 6, Ephesians 4, 29. Um, I'm trying to be better <clears throat> about that. And, you know, over the last years, I think I can see some change in myself and in other guys, and Lord willing, we'll continue uh, to grow in grace uh, and holiness there. Um, but we have to be careful lest we find ourselves going against uh, the character and nature of God. And, you know, slander and gossip certainly creates division. And as you say, that's that's not God's design, at least not to be divided because of evil. Right, um, and you made that point very well. Well, there's some other passages. First um, Timothy, and you mentioned First Timothy, right? I want to read that. First Timothy five thirteen fourteen, and uh, well, I'll read it, and then, and then you can comment on it. But refuse to put younger widows on the list, for they, for when they feel sensual desires in disregard to Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation, because they have set aside their previous pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house, not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. Now, with that, let me jump to Titus 2. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. So two different places, two different topics, but an emphasis on one positive and one negative, avoiding gossip because it's not good, it's evil, and then guarding yourself with sound speech um, because that's Christ-honoring. Yeah, and it's interesting because when 1 Timothy 5.13 um, talks about how um, the tendency for widows is to, to become idle, right? To learn to be idle. And, and once you go idle, meaning you're not, you're not doing anything, um, we start to give in to the, uh, the the fleshly desires of the heart, and uh, there is a tendency to to go just from house to house and and to be busy without accomplishing anything, and then to start spreading gossip about other people, um, which is just not healthy. But it's right there. That's that's a tendency of the human heart. And for us, uh, one of the you know the qualifications for elders and deacons to be beyond reproach, and I do believe that very much ties into our speech. That's the, our reputation within the community. Um, even though the community may be secular, there's a lot of unbelievers. They should not be able to bring uh, bring a charge against us that would discredit our walk. Now, if they bring a charge against us that well, this guy is always sharing the gospel of God. Well, hallelujah. That's that, you know they may mean that negatively, but that's that's actually a good thing. So. Uh, you, you don't want to be characterized by anything that essentially dishonors God. I think that's really the bottom line is if there's any kind of speech that dishonors our Lord, um, then that's the kind of speech that you want to avoid. And if you're unsure, it's better to stay silent than to talk. Now, here's the question. So when is it okay to reference what a false teacher or what a heretic says? And when does it become gossip? What do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I and again, this is largely going to come to heart motivation. I think when we're talking about false teachers, right, um, and 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 false teachings, I think if our motivation is anything other than to protect and guard both God's people and the the witness of truth, I think if our motivation is other than that, we're wrong. Um, whatever it may be, may not necessarily be gossip. Um, 
you know, you know, for instance, if I'm calling out Joel Osteen as a false teacher, um, or Stephen Furtick, or Benny Hinn, or any of those guys, um, and my motivation is just to build myself up, or to edify myself, or make a platform, and it, and there's no concern or care for God's people who are getting trapped in false teaching, then, then we're in sin. Um, the, it, yeah. It's pride. It's arrogance. It, it could be gossip. Um, you know, if we're just somehow finding ourselves being fulfilled by talking bad about someone, um, then we're in sin. That's what I would say. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, it's it's about protecting the truth and um, edifying the flock. And part of edifying the flock is helping them to see who's the false teachers and, and why what they teach is false. So a lot of times, for instance, um, we might see a quote uh, from a certain teacher um, and I'll go ahead and respond to it or I'll retweet it and I'll provide some information for why I disagree with it. It's not that I'm going into his speech and taking something out of context, but I'm actually just building or responding to something that he or she said directly in public. And and so if if it's something that they say in public, and this is true for any of us, if you're willing to say something in public, whether it's a social media platform, whether it's out in the out in, in the public space, whatever it may be, um, people have a right to respond to it. P- people have a right to engage it and inter- interact with it. And in fact, I would encourage people to do that. Um, today, we we saw something unusual. There was an atheist who was actually seeking to better understand uh, why Christians have the positions that they do against LGBTQ. He wasn't attacking us. He was seeking. Yeah to simply understand. And I think that's a great opportunity to go ahead and provide the information, help him to see the scriptures and why we have the positions that uh, we have. But anything that is said in public becomes public domain. And especially if it's something that could be harmful or, or lead people astray, I'm going to want to address it. Now, I think there can be an unhealthy fixation. So there are oftentimes what I call discernment ministries out there, who make their entire ministry simply about attacking false teachers. And and I'm not so crazy about that because a lot of times what they do is they start to go overboard and they start to take things out of context and and they start to uh, read uh, the worst motivation and everything that's said and done without really validating it. Um, I'm not interested in that. You know, I'm I'm interested in in what is clear and what people say. And I'll give an example. Uh, Raphael Warnock, he's the the pastor in Atlanta, and uh, he's very blatantly uh, pro-abortion, pro-murder. And, and he responded with anger over the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, I didn't tweet about it, but I saw other people tweet um, about um, how he's wrong um, and he's a heretic and he's standing against God's truth. He said it and he opened himself up for others to retweet it and, and to be able to point out what he really is, which is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I think we have that duty when we see those things, and especially if they're a threat to our flock. Mm-hmm. Now, for my particular church, I'm not concerned about people listening to, for instance, Joel Osteen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to bring him up all the time as an example, but there are times where I will use an example from him to be able to show just how lost a lot of quote-unquote Christian ministers are and and the ministries that that they provide. So, if it's instructive, if if it helps build up, I'll do that. And at the same time, I pray that these people would repent. I pray that they would come to know the truth. I pray that they would turn away from their false teaching and, and that they would submit themselves to the Lordship of Christ. So, as you said, it comes back to motivation and oftentimes when there is evil in our midst, and especially if it's a, a potential harm to people that we know and love within the church, you have to expose it and, and show it for what it is using the truth of Scripture. Yeah, I think if you find yourself hating the person, you're probably wrong. <laughs> right? yeah. You are. You're, you're wrong, right? Um, I, I mean, even, even someone as evil and wicked and, uh, I, I mean, as a Kenneth, Kenneth Copeland, for instance— um, or, you know, maybe even worse, Todd Bentley, who brags about kicking old ladies in the face um, as a so-called prophet. I mean, even as evil as men like that are, um, I, I do not hate and wish that they would go to hell for all eternity. I absolutely despise with everything in me what they teach, the character yeah, they display, right. and that the name of Christ even crosses their lips. I absolutely abhor that. But um, in pointing out how dangerous they are, I do genuinely desire that they would come to Christ. And, and just case in point, the Apostle Paul, um, as yep. evil as those men are, as far as I know, they aren't going around murdering Christians. 
right. and, and the Apostle Paul was, right? Uh, and, and yet, um, we would all admire the Apostle Paul rightfully. Um, he's given us, you know, nearly half of the New Testament books we have. And so, God can save, and he does save even men as evil as those. He's done it in the past. He still, do, he still does it. Uh, maybe some listening, uh, you know, have done some horrendous things. Um, and so, God forgives, and we should too. So, the, our heart behind those things really matter. And so, we could even find ourselves gossiping about false teachers. You know, something else I'll say uh, that, that I think is an easy indication of whether we're gossiping about false teachers or not. Um, are, are you commenting on the dangers and the content of their teaching, or are you commenting on things like what the, their appearance uh, do, do, you know, do they have yeah, a disability right. that you're mocking or making fun of? Um, you know, I, I know we make fun of uh, preachers wearing tight jeans. Uh, that's a little bit different, I think. Um, but but are you making fun of something that they have no control over? Because I do see at times Christians mocking um, false teachers based on their physical appearance, which you know, basically they can't help. Yeah. That right. that's unacceptable. Um, right. And I think that crosses the line. You know, um, we can come down hard on what they're teaching and the people, um, you know, that they're influencing and, and leading uh, to a false gospel. Um, but y- you know what? If they have an eye that's twitching or some kind of physical condition, it's it's wholly inappropriate uh, to to be talking about those things. And I think that would fall in the gossip category. Um, you know, I, I don't see it too much. But I have occasionally seen it from a few, and I think that would fall into that category. But, you know, what's our heart motivation? Right. And, and to, to clarify, when we say we don't hate, um, uh, disagreement is not hate. That, that's the other danger from the culture, that if you disagree with someone, then you're a hater of that person. Right. No, we're, we're just standing against what it is that they teach and then what it is they believe. And I agree with you. Um, making light of someone because of their appearance, um, is, it's, not, it's not healthy, it's not wise, and, and it dishonors the, the, uh, the image of God and, and by which they were created. Um, yeah, so we just have to exercise, uh, once again, it's the discernment and, and getting back to the motivation uh, behind it. Um, expose their, their false teaching. Um, but you know, if uh, there, there are also, and we've seen this also on, especially Twitter, you know, we've seen that some people just want a platform, right? So we've seen some people gain thousands and thousands of followers almost overnight because of their heretical views. And on the flip side, I'm not really all that crazy about retweeting them because I don't want to draw attention to them, but I'll, I'll do something, uh, what we call subtweet where I just make reference to a false teaching that, that they're bringing up. And, and I'll, ha- I'll just say this, this is false teaching. And, and here's why without mentioning the source, because I'm not wanting to bring attention to the source, but if they already have a platform, if they're already well-known, people love them, then in that case, I feel like I have, I have a responsibility to identify who that person is. You know, when uh, Max Lucado um, repented of uh, white supremacy, white privilege, and, and apologized to the LGBTQ community, um, that's a real problem. And, and I, I don't necessarily have an issue with, uh, with his theology, though I believe it's on the shallow end. Um, but, but when you start to uh, make apologies for what the Word of God claims is truth, that's an issue. And I'm going to tell people, especially people who have enjoyed listening to him and reading him, I said, look, be warned, um, you're, you're dealing with a man who is now compromising upon the truth. And we've seen that with people such as Beth Moore as well, right? Yeah. So, I think, again, discernment and, and what's your purpose in doing that? Always examine that. Yeah, and if you came across um, some major theological heresies that, for instance, Max Locato did teach, then, you know, you would change your opinion and you would speak to that if you needed yeah. to. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, you're not, um, you know, it, it's for the sake of guarding the truth and protecting the flock, which, by the way, I, I mean, I think everyone has a responsibility to do that, but this is particularly um, given to pastors by God to do, right, to, to guard the flock of God among them. And so, uh, pastors don't get an option. Now, we're, right. we don't have to comment on everything that we see. Um, right. some, some things I choose not to comment on because, you know what, I, the people that I pastor, I just don't think are susceptible to, you know, this person or yeah. that person. Right. 
Um, right. I, I use Joel Osteen a lot as an illustration because one, no one in my congregation listens to Joel Osteen. They're all very much aware that he preaches a different, different gospel. And it's an easy way to point out to people who might be listening to false teachers um, to, to help them maybe learn how to discern for themselves. Um, but, you know, I'll just... If they're a false teacher, I'm happy calling them out. But I think something to two things I wanted to um, elaborate on. You talked about discernment ministries, um, and and you're right. Discernment ministries have a bad reputation for people who are very angry, very contentious, and combative, and and they can get very large platforms um, by by doing that because oftentimes they do. Uh, speak the truth in terms of who's a false teacher and who's not, sometimes not so much. But if you want a really good discernment ministry, and I'm, I even hesitate to call his ministry that, uh, but I would recommend Justin Peters um, yeah, to yeah. folks. Um, it, it, you know, Justin Peters is primarily an evangelist, and he it, his first love, he'll tell you, is to exposit the Word of God in preaching, but he also does have a, a large ministry um, focused on exposing um, the charismatic word of faith and prosperity gospel, false teaching and teachings. But I'll tell you what, he's the humblest guy you'll ever meet in your whole life. Um, he, he's not an angry guy. He's not a bitter guy. He's not a contentious guy. I mean, he truly is um, a, a ministry worth following. If you really want to become aware of false teachers out there, uh, he, his his ministry is a really good ministry to follow. Um, so plug for Justin Peters' ministry. Uh, um, you can look him up. Good content. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, Justin Peters would be an example of discernment ministries done right, where he's trying to rescue people from um, these heresies. Um, he, he goes around exposing them for um, of the things that they've done, the things that they believe, and then he brings a light of scripture to show why um, you should not support uh, such men. So I agree with you. I think um, I think that's a great example of of things done right. Um, on the other hand, I've seen um, channels on YouTube of um, of people who will attack even faithful preachers um, about anything and everything. And oftentimes, if you just do a little bit of research, um, you'll find that a lot of these people don't even belong to a church. You know, yeah. they've kind of de- developed their their own ministry on their own. Um, they. Ne- neglect and, and forsake the, the, the church. They don't believe it's necessary, and they make their living off of just um, attacking others. And so, I, I would be careful about people that kind of match that pattern yeah. and description as well. We see them on Twitter as well. Um, it doesn't surprise me when we see certain individuals who pop up over and over again that um, are, are attacking what are actually biblical views, and then you find out that they yeah. don't go to a church. And uh, I, usually, I'm like, well, that explains a lot, actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, the Justin Peters example is a really great example of, of a good discernment ministry. You know, I think you can say that um, James White does that to some extent, right? He's got that apologetics ministry, yeah. um, <clears throat> but he, he also is an elder of a church, you know, yeah. and, and that was one of the um, points that someone made about, uh, for instance, Ravi Zacharias, um, that Ravi Zacharias had this huge ministry that didn't actually belong to a church. Now, I'm kind of going off um, uh, target a little bit here in terms of the topic, but just um, I'm not uh, I'm not disparaging every ministry that is meant to uncover false teaching. There's a lot of good ones, but recognize there are some that are just not helpful. Yeah, and you know I think we were talking about gossip and false teachers, and we're bringing up some of these ministries. I, I I'm I'm going to bring up one by name, and hopefully as a good example, um, we talked about Justin Peters being a, a really biblical and godly example of, um, you know, he, he's not someone that gossips. He loves the sheep and he loves the truth, and that's why he's also a part of a local church. Um, it, you know, there's a discernment ministry out there who has a very large following called Service Christi. And um, that's who I was thinking of. Yes. yes, I I thought you might be. um, I was trying to think of the name. And to be honest, um, I I can't even think of the guy's real name at the moment. Um, But that's an example of someone who I I would with all I all I am warn people to stay away from. Uh, He's not plugged into a local church. He slanders genuinely um, faithful biblical preachers. You know, like John MacArthur and like Vody Bauckham, yeah, yeah, and and you know, it's it's guys like that who, regretfully, we would have to say is is really false in the faith, and you need to guard yourself from and stay away from. But it's a good example of someone who is very often 
very contentious, um, doesn't display a, a holy like character, hasn't given himself to the local church um, or submitting to local church leadership. And so it, just like what I think what we're doing here, I hope we can we can call these things out without it being gossip, without it being slanderous. Um, and, and I think you and I would both love to see the day where someone like that would publicly repent for his yeah, slander, absolutely, um, and absolutely. and would find yeah. himself sitting under in a biblical church under biblical leadership. But until then, we have to say that's someone you need to stay away from. He's dangerous uh, to the yeah, body and, of Christ. And we're not we're not pointing him out simply because he attacks the pastors that we like. I mean, there are people that he. Uh, attacks that I believe are dangerous people as well, but might be believers. Maybe maybe their their teaching is not solid. Maybe they're just unfit for ministry, but they may actually proclaim the gospel, right? So, I mean, I want to be careful about, um, about what and how we may attack others, uh, address what it is that they teach and what it is that they believe, um, but don't start slandering everyone into being a heretic or a false believer, which is essentially what he does. Um, so, yeah. if you were to really follow his example, you would basically end up in no church because there's no church that would that would pass all of your requirements for what you believe um, constitute uh, a true and a false Christian. And, and that does get back to the having a solid theology, knowing what is primary, secondary, tertiary. Um, I think with a person like uh, this individual, everything becomes um, a, a primary issue. And when everything's a primary issue, nothing's a primary issue. Yeah. So yeah. just be, be aware of that. Yeah. So let me let me take this back to gossip and uh, which we're talking about. So we brought that up. Um, we, we did an episode two, two or three episodes on the book of Jude. Right. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to Jude for this episode because I, I, I want people to see the the heart behind dealing with false teachers, because, you know, the whole book of Jude is contending for the faith. And so if you were concerned about calling out false teachers and whether that's gossip or not, we're talking about a heart motivation in many cases, making the difference between it being what's right and being gossip or being slander. Yeah. Um, so just listen to this uh, when Jude talks about specifically how to deal with people who are propagating false doctrine or caught up in false systems. So he says this from uh, verse 12. I'll just start from verse 20 um, to give a little bit of context. He says, but you, so he's speaking to believers, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And on some who are doubting, Right, this context of false teachers who are doubting have mercy, and for others save, snatching them out of the fire, and on others have mercy with fear, hating even the tunic polluted by the flesh. In other words, the the most heinous, the most the 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 most egregious false teachers out there, treat them as though their 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 clothing was just uh, polluted by excrement. That's literally what the language is describing. It's kind of gross. But before it describes that, it says, have mercy, but do so with fear, right? In other words, uh, you, you have mercy, but you do so afraid that if you get too involved, too close, that you may even be polluted by or contaminated. That's really what the verse is saying. Um, and, and, and so, that, that's the heart, right? There's never a time where we call out false teachers where we don't desire their own redemption. Um, we can hate what we do. We can treat them as though their garments are stained with filth, and we should. We're very, very cautious, but our heart ought to be, man, I, I, I'd love to see Kenneth Copeland before he dies repent and come to Christ. I, I, what an incredible testimony for God's grace. Absolutely. I, you know? Yeah, and and just a reminder from Ephesians six twelve for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Ultimately, um, Satan does use people. Um, he, he uses those who are in darkness, who are not saved to accomplish his will and purpose. But he also tries to uh, in infiltrate the church itself and uh, tries to lead true believers um, astray. But our struggle is ultimately not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, powers, world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
So while we rebuke false teachers, we rebuke their teaching, we also at the same time pray for their repentance. We pray that God would do a work in their heart. And, and those things have happened. I mean, and you use the example of the Apostle Paul. That's a, it's a great example. And so we want to always have that right motivation. Uh, we want our hearts to be grieved for, for their ultimately their salvation. And if they do not repent, um, then we also put our trust into God that he will have his day of vengeance and, uh, and he will ultimately um, he, he will ultimately be victorious. The victory has already been won in Christ uh, through the resurrection and his sacrifice paid on the cross. But we observe the Lord's table on a regular basis, partially in anticipation of his return, yeah. knowing that he will bring about the end when he does. Yeah, there may be hard words for false teachers, but our heart still ought to ultimately long to see their salvation. Um, and so, yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that we've covered a whole lot. There are, if, if you were to just do a, a, a Bible search, a uh, term search for um, for these things, you'll find so much that the Bible speaks about in terms of using our tongue, right? And what we are to say and not to say. And so don't think little of how detrimental gossip is. It, it's a major issue. And I'm I'm afraid that it's one of those that often and so easily we can engage in and and not even realize it. And so, you know, I I would encourage those listening who really have a heart for holiness and desire to see uh, the witness of Christ um, sustained well in our actions, you know, take a heart posture of the psalmist in in Psalm 141.3, you know, write it down, memorize it, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, keep watch, over the door of my lips. If we do that, then we will less often and Lord willing never find ourselves gossiping about others. Amen. Anything to add? No, I think uh, we've we've covered quite a bit of ground. Um, check your heart motivations. Uh, seek the unity of the church um, and uh, let the truth itself divide and, and not your selfish motives and ambitions. Amen and amen. So thank you guys for joining us for this episode. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.